Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I actually uh, recently wrote an essay on this movie. So I have, I, I mean, I've seen it before and I love it, but I recently watched it like three times in a row. <laughs> like I watched it to write this essay. I watched mm-hmm. it a second time. And then my, one of my partners saw me watching it. I was like, what is this movie? I've never seen this before. And I was like, <gasps> <laughs> and did the thing where I was like, immediately you must see this movie. And so then I watched it for a third time. <laughs> okay. watch it. Nice. Um, so yeah, so I was right. There's a, I'm writing an essay for an anthology about queer horror. And mm. I was like, and when they asked me what I wanted to write about, I said, Oh my God, Jennifer's body, which I love and have so many feelings about. Um, so it's just a movie that I think about a lot. It's just like sort of one of those movies that I return to a lot. I'm very interested in as a project. I'm interested in like the sort of reception of the film at mm-hmm. the time and the way it's sort of that, that reception has changed over the years. Um, so it's just always been like a movie. It's just like one of my, like, I don't know if you feel this, like you have ownership over certain movies where it's like, one of my movies. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's one of my movies where I'm like, it's very important to like understand me. You have to like do this movie. Um, I love that. I love <laughs> yeah. that. I love that welcome to open forum i'm michael denzel smith jennifer and needy have been best friends since the days of the sandlot but as teenagers they occupy different worlds jennifer the popular cheerleader and needy the nerdy tagalong but when jennifer is sacrificed to satan by an indie band seeking superstardom needy is faced with terrifying and heartbreaking decisions as to what she must do to stop her best friend who has become a bloodthirsty demon who attacks and kills the teenage boys in her orbit this week's film is jennifer's body and it was chosen by carmen maria machado author of the national book award finalist her body and other parties and in the dream house winner of a lambda literary award I remember when it came out, um, and I think uh, my aversion to it, one, I'm not a horror fan, so I was like, it's not, it wasn't going to speak to me. But then I think I was also, and this will just probably speak to my mentality and hopefully growth as a human being, uh, it was like, Megan Fox, no, not going to do it for me. I mean, you and like everybody else who who at the time, I mean, like, it's really interesting because at the time that the movie came out, I mean, there were a lot of, I think there were a lot of problems with it, not with the film itself, but mm-hmm. in terms of like the marketing of the film and like, but like one of the biggest problems was that Megan Fox was like on the receiving end of this like massive, deeply misogynistic yes. sort of cultural whiplash backlash. Mm-hmm. Um, and people, even though she is perfect, perfect in this film, like she's Absolutely. so, the casting is so good. 
that it's like mind boggling. <laughs> and so it's just really interesting because it's like people had this idea about her. And I think it was like right around this time that she like was talking about Michael Bay. Like she was mm. like criticizing him for how he was on the set of uh, Transformers. And there was just like this like, yeah, like massive misogynistic backlash against her. Mm-hmm. And so I think this film like got partially got caught up in this like wave of hate yeah. that was being directed at her. Um, which is a shame because she's great. She's so good. She's so good. I really, I was glad to have watched it because she was so, like you said, perfectly cast Mm -hmm, in this. mm -hmm. And she captures this role um, in a way that, like, I don't think I've ever seen her actually, I I haven't seen her do in other ways that, like, felt like, oh, this is real, this is, this genuine talent here. Um, Mm -hmm. In that, in the story, though, you allude to the sort of the way it was received at the time and i've read some things about like a sort of uh a reclamation of jennifer's body essentially in the past decade or so and like Mm -hmm. reassessing the way that it was talked about at that time and like all of the critics were basically just like this isn't the you know sexy teen horror film that we thought it was going to be right right (laughs) um and and you, you start watching, it's like, it's never intended to be that. Like, there's exactly. nothing about this plot or nothing about these characters that that ever suggests that this is what this film was going to be. Yeah, I think it's a really good example of, like, a disconnect between, because also, like, a thing that people said at the time was that, like, if you watch, like, did you watch the trailers for it from the time? Like, they're very, mm-hmm. like, it's, like, close-up of their tongues touching, mm-hmm. you know, like, like, it's very, like, sexy. Like, it's sort of being played as this, like, you've seen Megan Fox be a sex object in Transformers. Come mm-hmm. see her be a sex object in Jennifer's body. And, like, right, but you're right. that Like, when you watch the film, you're like, oh, like, this was never meant to be like like fodder for like teenage boys or whatever like this was never meant to be a film that like that was the main draw um but of course the people then got there and were like super mad um and i also feel like there's something really fascinating and i i was like when i was doing this writing this essay i found this this like uh article from the from the like contemporaneous part from the film coming out and it was very critical of like the 9-11 jokes in mm. the film, which I thought was super mm. interesting because it's also this like deeply intentional piece of the film, which is like this sort of mockery or send up of like post-tragedy saccharine, mm-hmm. like coming together rhetoric and how like fake and weird and stupid that is. Um which like was true then and but maybe like was just too close. Even though it was like two thousand nine, and so it was like eight years after yeah. There's a lot of like really, really funny and smart jokes about the way we talk about tragedy and the way that we mm-hmm. like and like we're coming together when a tragedy happens, but like it's all this it's all fake and weird. Um and so I found this like very angry article where they were like, How dare they try to be edgy by making fun of nine eleven? And I was like, You just missed like whoosh, like you just said yeah. the point of things like went right over your head. Um, so yeah, I just feel like it really, it just, yeah, people just weren't ready for it and like didn't know how to, how to process it. Okay. Jennifer's evil. I know. No, I mean, she's actually evil, not high school evil. I've been through the occult section at the library five times. Our library has an occult section? Another thing that I thought was really interesting and like also kind of what my essay was about was the sexuality element of the film. Mm -hmm. And like the argument that I make in my essay is basically like this is a film 
not just like queer film, but like a film of bisexuality specifically. Mm-hmm. And like that sort of like moment in one's adolescence, if one is bisexual or something akin to it, that like you sort of split off, like you're sort of spinning away from like what you've sort of understood, but like you're like passing through this like body of water that is bisexuality. Because mm-hmm. for some people that's like a permanent, like you stay there. And some people huh. it's like, oh, it's like on the path to like, monosexual like you're like oh I'm, I'm actually gay but like i have to like pass through this like phase uh-huh. or this like stage which is like kind of a weird and complicated thing to say but like i feel like it really captures this like piece of adolescent sexual awakening mm. in the context of one's of friendships and like it just felt so specific to me but like even back then like people got really people were just like oh they're just trying to like lure in like they're 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 just like you know showing women making out to like you know bring in the male demographic or it's like very like insincere um but when I, every time i watch it i'm like this feels like a super gay movie to me or like a super bisexual movie like that feels like a really important piece of it i i definitely felt that i was like this is a def- this is a very bisexual movie um <laughs> but i got worried at parts of this and so we should walk through a little bit of then sure. jennifer is played by megan fox uh is to be sacrificed by an indie rock band <laughs> that is looking for stardom <laughs> and is turned to the occult turned to satan to uh help ensure this and in the process they need to get a virgin to sacrifice at this altar Jennifer is not a virgin, and therefore, by virtue of what happens there, uh, she turns into a demon that feeds off flesh. Um, and she has decided, and some like, and we can talk about that in terms of like the way that this is, you know, cast as sort of like a, a revenge fantasy. She she is saying like, I'm going to kill all these boys. I'm going to feed on the flesh of these boys. Uh, and but I. As we see a couple times, like two of the, the boys that she kills or attempts to, uh, they she only does so or decides to do so. It feels like to me in response to them being boys that uh, her best friend, Needy, paid by Amanda Seyfried, uh, is either attracted to her boyfriend, Chip, or someone that she says is nice. And it feels like oh, here's an idea of this bisexual girl just basically, like, saying, I'm going to eliminate <laughs> the competition, right? That I'm going to kill these boys uh, and and that there's something violent and threatening in her sexuality. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, 100%. Um, I do feel like... And you're saying that made you is that it made me it made me feel, feel like there was something there like sure. I felt like there there was clearly the moments uh, you know that was hyped that like uh, Jennifer and Needy make out and and we're like oh yeah there's clearly an attraction here they clearly both have uh, are feeling this and that there's something to their their love story here right like mm-hmm. there's something to that but it felt like oh the the, the only way or the only or that Jennifer has never expressed her, her this side of her sexuality until she becomes a demon, and that therefore yeah. there's something demonic about her sexuality. Sure, sure. Yes, I think that is certainly a reading of the film. Mm. I mean, I am very, as a gay horror lover, <laughs> I am like deeply, I, I find 
how do I say this? I, I have a lot of feelings and have written in the past, like in my memoir, like I talk a lot mm-hmm. about, or I have this like section where I talk about like queer villainy and yeah. like, you know, sort of the, the context of queer villainy, how, right, historically, a lot of very iconic villains have been queer or coded as queer in some fashion. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously like problematic for all the ways you, you would expect, right? Which is that like, evil there's a shorthand or like evil or badness or wrongness is is shorthanded with queerness Mm -hmm. and so obviously yes that like makes sense but i also feel like there is something really sort of the opposite of that being like Mm. you shouldn't have queer villains makes me also feel really squicky because i'm like i you know i believe in like capacity or like gay people to be whatever they want including villains and like there's something super interesting to me about like this sort of like almost almost Instead of like the queerness being dragged into the demonic, like the demonic being like evil being dragged in the other direction, where it's like is evil is it as bad as it seems? Like I, I guess I, I guess I, yeah. Like to me, it's this film is like a love. It's a love story, and it's mm-hmm. like it's like a and like a story of bisexuality and a story of like sort of ships the way like ships passing in the night, like two friends. Who are like attracted to each other, but like I feel like oh, like basically what I argue in the essay that I wrote is that like Jennifer is more like probably more of a like, like more into women than mm. like Needy is, and like Needy would like experiment like if they had just continued their lives like yeah. Needy would have experimented maybe with Jennifer and then like just gone back to dudes and like Jennifer would have like gone off probably mm. more for women and like they were just experiencing this like weird moment of like intersection between the between their sort of their, their respective journeys into their sexualities and so yeah i mean sh- i sure I, she's demonic i sort of don't care because i don't, I don't yeah. feel like she's also evil. like i feel like there's like a lot like the evil in the film is the band and yeah. it's these like men who have like i mean the scene where they kill her like the sort of flashback where they mm-hmm. sacrifice her is like so intense and like really devastating and way more devastating than any of the stuff that she does like yes. You know, her stuff is sort of played as kind of campy, you know, it's it's bloody, there's a lot of jokes about like menstruation and like like it's 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 sort of played in this very like silly way. Like I don't like she's demonic in the literal sense and like that's the explanation for like what why she's mm-hmm. become like this cannibal that like eats boys, but like the obvious villains are like this band who like you know, at the end of I mean not to spoil if you've never I mean if you if you haven't seen it, you're listening to this, be spoiled. At the <laughs> end Needy kills Jennifer, um, but then Needy also avenges Jennifer, and she mm. hunts the band down and kills them. Um, and so, and that's like sort of in the, in the credits. There's like this really cool, great yeah. sort of scene where like she she hunts the boys down and kills them in their hotel. And so, so yeah. So I guess for me, I don't feel I understand your 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 read of that. Like I think that's like a fair read, but I also just I don't know. Like I feel like I'm a lot more lax. I was like I watched some horror. <laughs> like I'm like. I'm like, does demonic mean demonic? I don't know, not really. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I feel like for Jen, like, at no point do I feel like Jennifer is truly evil. Like, she's right. sick. She's like, or she's like, you know, she's been, this horrible thing has been done to her yes. by these boys. And, like, she's acting on all these impulses. Um, But I, I don't feel like she's ever truly evil. Like, that just, that, that just never, it doesn't really feel that way to me. So I guess that's why that doesn't strike me as like a particularly. Pro- I mean, again, some people would say that's problematic, but no, I, I yeah, no, I totally appreciate that. It, I I think I 
I appreciate you complicating that for me because I was having a very basic read of it. It's just like... I don't think either of those is like correct. I just feel like it's one of those things where like, I know that people... And like, I have, I have experience with historically, like, because I read a lot of like horror and thrillers where like mm-hmm. weird people are villains. Like, that's just like, it's a thing that I've read a lot of in my life and that I yeah. actually, like, it's just like a lot of literature that means a lot to me. Like, that is part, piece, a piece of it. Um, and obviously, it can tell you a lot about like people's attitudes about queer people it tells you a lot of stuff but i also just feel like there's a lot of promise and potential in it that i Mm. i don't want people to like dismiss just because it seems just bad on the surface i guess like i find queer villains very empowering (laughs) like i'm like yeah i i really love that (laughs) you're a jerk wow nice insult hannah montana you got any more horse digs you know what you are never a good friend. Even when we were little, you used to steal my toys and pour lemonade on my bed. And now I'm meeting your boyfriend. See, at least I'm consistent. Why do you need him? Huh? You could have anybody that you want, Jennifer. So why Chip? Is it just to tick me off? Or is it because you're just really insecure? I am not insecure, needy. God, that's a joke. How could I ever be insecure? I was the snowflake queen. I see the other part of this and sort of what you're you're talking about there, um, where the the behavior that is demonic or like evil, and as you say, it's not really even evil so much, uh is a byproduct of the actions of this band, right? And like, I think for me that was it's mm-hmm. it's the absolute funniest part of this movie. Like, obviously, it's it's not like funny that they kill her. It's funny who the villains are. It's just these yeah, totally. Maroon yeah. Five wannabes. <laughs> like, it is the most hilarious. Thing. Not even Maroon Five, like Fallout Boy. <laughs> do you know? Do you know it's a real band? I did not know that. So the lead, so the lead guy, the like main dude, is an actor who is when he sings, he's 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 not the actual singing voice. Like mm. the, the lead singer is not in it, but he's the voice of the. But like the rest of the band is the is a real band that oh, wow. low shoulder that like existed. I don't know why they got chosen for that film, but they are they were a real band that like put out several albums. <laughs> but it, it is funny to me because I just feel like there's something so perfect about like. That I don't know if you're like my, my age or, but like that era of music, like mm. it's just so singularly terrible. <laughs> like that alt rock, like mm-hmm. like mid to late, near, you know, mid two thousands. Like oh, it's so bad. And yeah, it's just so perfect that like it's not like a heavy metal group. Like it's just this like these like boys in eyeliner, <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like there are so many bands that sound like us that we needed to like literally make a sacrifice to Satan or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Um, and that's the thing is there's there were so many of them and so many of them convinced of their own artistic importance and like mm-hmm. they're in but and then that desire to be rock stars and that like that the idea of killing a virgin was did mm-hmm. not escape them as something like that should be non implausible, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's like, yeah. oh no, that definitely because who is she to our like artistic and commercial success? Right. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, they are fascinating villains. And I think also to go back to this question of, of villainy, I also feel like 
I, I just thought of a better word to describe Jennifer, which is like um, instinctual, like it sort of like strips away her inhibitions and like makes her just this sort of id, which I feel like, mm. again, it's not necessarily villainous, just like very, it's just really interesting. But yeah, no, those guys, I, yeah, they are so, and like they're, yeah, they're true indifference to like what's going on. Like when she's sobbing, like that scene where she dies is like, or where they try to kill her is like really, really brutal. Yeah. And like every time I watched it, I was like, this is like one scene that I find like of all the scenes in this film is like really disturbing with her to like crying and they're just sort of like, whatever. Like yeah. they just like really don't care. And they break out um, in the yeah, song. Like, like, right, exactly. And just like you said, like they're like, who is she to, you know, to our like grand ambitions? Which I feel like is also like a very cold and accurate way of thinking about like, I mean, all art, I guess, but like Hollywood, it's mm. like, it's like the women that get sort of stepped on. If you like think about Megan Fox specifically, like the actress who like has sort of like kind of vanished from yeah. from the public eye, and like you know, I feel like with like Harvey Weinstein and all of these other sort of like really bad actors, you find that the like actors and act- or actresses who have like vanished, where you're like, where the fuck did she go? Like she used to be in all this stuff, and now she's not anymore. Yeah. And, like most of the time, it's like she fell afoul of some shitty dude in the industry mm-hmm. and just like stopped working or whatever, and like. It's really interesting that, like, Megan Fox is also that person, but, like, mm-hmm. in the film, she's also the woman who, like, any ambitions or dreams or life that she had imagined for herself is just, like, cut short by these, like, completely indifferent men who, like, are only concerned with their own, mm-hmm. like, their own advancement or whatever, which feels, like, weirdly, like, I feel like it's also just, like, a really prescient film, like, it, it, like, it really, mm-hmm. it's, like, it's, like, if you had made it now, you almost would be like it's almost like two on the nose but yeah. like the fact that it was made in 2009 you're like oh shit like they really yeah. like she re- like like Catherine Kusama and uh Diablo Cody like really or yeah it's Diablo Cody yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 like um sorry for a second but yeah like like they really like nailed something really specific and like it's kind of amazing the movie got made honestly because it feels like such a strong condemnation of like such a specific dynamic in that world i don't know i don't know it's like just i just find that incredible Um, no and as you're saying that i'm thinking about like how much how intentional that was or like how how parallel that was possibly to diablo cody's experience because this is her second (laughs) film after juno and like there's the praise that she got for juno but then the backlash right like it's too cutesy she's too in her head she's like like creating this false notion of like teenage uh woman like or what am i trying to say like uh teenage girlhood and like what mm-hmm. what the pressures and the the desires and all it's like no she she doesn't actually get it she's just created she's invented language that like distracts you from the fact that she doesn't have anything to say and it's like how much of that was bearing on her as through writing this script yeah yeah well i feel like yes i mean i totally agree and i feel like it's like in the way that like also in that world like women so rarely get to be like on fours and get to like mm-hmm. sort of direct their own sort of visions and like i mean like this movie is also just like a dream team like Catherine, uh Karen kusama who i fucking love who's mm. like i don't know if you've seen any usually i guess you don't like horror so you probably haven't seen a lot of her other stuff but like she did this movie um the invitation that mm. i don't know that I recommend it if you can handle it, but it's really, it is a very intense movie. Um, yeah, she's like super, super interesting. And like, not that you got like that kind of director with Diablo Cody with like these really good actresses 
Like, it just really is, like, again, like, I feel like I keep having this thought. I feel like all the movies that I like and TV that I like, I always watch it thinking, how did this get made? Like, the fact mm. that it got made means that, like, something went really right, but, like, a thing that, like, probably almost never goes really right, where, like, all the pieces kind of came together into this single experience that feels so specific. And a part of me wonders about this, like, question of, like, marketing, where it's, like, mm-hmm. I wonder if they got through, they got this movie through, because they were like, oh, don't worry, like, teenage boys are going to come see Megan Fox right. in, like, a low-cut blouse. And, like, when they're actually creating this, like, really subversive and, like, really smart um, and really feminist film that is just doing so much. What the fuck is happening? Oh, my God, Needy. I have never heard you drop the F-bomb before. You, I saw you. I saw, I saw, I saw the, that, that, that. Slow down. Dirty slippies sound like a sped. I'm gonna call the police. Uh, okay. Why don't you narc me out? I have the cops in my back pocket, needy. I'm fucking a cadet, remember? What do you want from me? Just want to explain some things to you. Besides, best friends don't keep secrets, right? And I guess as we're talking, you're making me reconsider my relationship to horror. In part, this film is, is doing <laughs> that. This, and I'll say, you know, look, it's not horror that, like, as a genre that I, I, mean, I have objections to the genre. It really, truly, that's a personal thing where, like, I've just, I'm a terribly anxious person, easily frightened. And also, I'll just say, Freddy Krueger literally haunted my nightmares. Oh, no. Like, and it's something that I talked about with my partner recently. Uh, it, was, it was like, no, when I was like, four or five and i saw a freddy krueger film oh no yeah. have, you know he showed up in my nightmares and what happened was and it was a recurring nightmare for several years where i would be in a cab on to on the way on my way to the airport by myself as a little child and then as i'm getting out of the cab or like arrive at the airport freddy krueger turns around and he's the <laughs> cab driver <laughs> And so I think my relationship to horror has always come back to that. That's so specific. <laughs> it's very specific. Wait, which one? Is there a cab seat? I mean, I I, was, I don't know where. Like, like, it's like you pull together like a memory or something, and then you pull it. I don't like, know where I was getting all of that because I don't That's even think so I'd been in a cab at that point in my life because we all we had cars and that's how we traveled sure. to the airport. Um. I just maybe cool. seen it on TV somewhere, and that's yeah. and I pulled all these different things together, but that has colored my relationship to horror. But you know, then I think you know, obviously, like Get Out came out several years ago, and everyone was raving, and I was like, I don't really do horror though, and I was like, I guess I have to go see this though. I have to. <laughs> it's part of the zeitgeist. I kind of need to know sure. what everyone's talking about, and I had never thought of horror as being in these conversations of like that they're that they're very clearly yeah. like what they're drawing upon in order to present fear and and all of this and like what what the violence could be born of i never considered uh horror right. to be uh possible capable of that sure i have so many thoughts about this i gotta like bring them out in order so like Last year, I did this like there was a there was a brief like temporary or not temporary but like, like limited podcast that the guys from Reply All did mm. called Scare Scaredy Cat and sort of the point of this 
series was that like PJ was like, I don't know if you've listened to the community Star Pile, mm-hmm. but PJ, PJ was like, I really want to see Get Out because, you know, everyone has seen it and everyone's talking about it. And I know it's like really important culturally, but like I'm a huge Freddy cat and I mm-hmm. really hate her. And so the goal of this series was he was like watching sort of an escalating series of films okay. so that he could like prepare himself to watch Get Out. And so I participated in a couple of them. I, I participated in like an alien, which is like one of my, mm-hmm. which is one of my, another one of my like all time favorite films in general and horror films specifically. And then also we did uh, Hereditary and Midsommar, which are, uh, which mm-hmm. are Midsommar especially is like a very important film to me as well. And I was thinking a lot about this question of like, what makes somebody afraid versus not afraid? Because like, I'm also like a deeply anxious person. Like mm-hmm. I am medicated. Like I have yeah. a lot of, like I, I am, I have been anxious since day one. I'm like very, like, you know, ever since I was a kid. And I also like had really bad nightmares. Like I would, mm. but like for me, my response to that was always the opposite. Like instead of moving away from it, I wanted to go towards it. Mm. It was like pleasurable. And I mm. think it's like the same reason that people go on like roller coasters, which I also enjoy because it's like a, it's like a controlled mm-hmm. high basically. Like yeah. it's like, it's like adrenaline, but it's like all in this sort of a context of, of ultimately like a safe setting. And yeah. like you get to be kind of pushed to your own limits. But then you're always like returning to like you're just sitting in your house or you're being like you know you're like, in this very safe situation mm-hmm. and so so I feel like I have the opposite response yeah. and and because of that like horror has always for me been this really like space of real true like subversion and provocation and like there are so many interesting things happening in various subgenres and like a lot of these subgenres of horror are sort of like have a lot of things to say about you know, in the case of, like, Get Out, like, say, about, like, about race, or, you know, mm-hmm. or, like, white womanhood, or, you know, whatever, or, like, Midsommar, which is another film that I love, is, like, about, like, grief and, like, community. Like, that's, like, sort mm-hmm. of the, you know, and, like, and those are, like, different types of horror. Or, like, you know, if you have, like, a, a, you know, like, a haunted house film, that's, like, an entirely different sort of, but that's questions about, like, the past, and, yeah. like, where the past belongs in the present, and then you have, like, sort of, um, and then you have like Midsommar, which is like folk horror, which is like its own, which is like, you know, um, the same genre as like uh, The Wicker Man and like mm-hmm. this sort of, which is sort of about like isolated communities and like interlopers and isolated communities. And like, there's this really like, kind of like way in which that genre functions. So like all of these subgenres have a lot to, to sort of say. And like demonic possessions of like monsters obviously have all these to say about like the other and like mm-hmm. what we consider monstrous and the monsters being inside of you and like all these like really interesting sort of questions that like you can sort of turn over and like kind of poke and prod in like all those really interesting ways and like to me that is just like the most exciting like i yeah. feel like so much good of being done in horror and like also some people like my spouse does not like horror either like she absolutely cannot stand it mm-hmm. but like i've a couple of times i've like made her watch a movie with me where I, she's like, as long as you tell me when the really gory parts are coming and I can cover my eyes, I'm like, that's fine. I'll, like, I'll have you, you cover your eyes from the gory parts and I'll just like, and like, she's actually really enjoyed it. And they're like, oh, this is actually like, really smart and really interesting. Mm. Horrifying and really gory. Um, <laughs> so like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's something so, for me, that horror just offers me so much sort yeah. of just mentally. Um, I mean, like, like I said, I get it. Like if you're like, I really get it. Like, I'm like, that's fine. Like there are things I don't like to watch either. There are also, like, subgenres of horror that I don't really enjoy, yeah. like, that I just have no tolerance for, where I'm like, oh, this is boring to me, I don't really care, but, like, or I don't like this. But, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but I just, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like, I, I, you know, and I also, like, as a kid, like, I actually saw Poltergeist way too early, so, uh, like, my dad was, was watching me 
and my mom like went to the store or something and my mom came home and my dad was asleep on the chair and I was watching Poltergeist which just like come on the television and I was like four or five or something and like for years like I don't know if you've ever seen Poltergeist it's it's got just a lot of really horrifying like imagery in it and like for many years I would have like nightmares about the images from it and like but only as I was like in my early 20s I like went to some theater that showed like old films or like older films and mm-hmm. I saw Poltergeist and I was like that's the movie that I've been like seeing in my brain and I didn't even remember what, the, what it was called and it was like all these images from this film were just like in my head and I was like oh now they all yeah. make sense like in the context yeah. of this movie so yeah I don't know like I feel like uh, that you know it's super fair I do think it is like I really love the experience of being like honestly all, all during COVID I'm the only excuse for watching the oh, yeah. films because um, it just feels like everything is going to shit. Everything is so terrible and awful, but like, this is a thing that I can control. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Yeah. Freddy Krueger, also in your defense, is fucking terrifying. Terrifying! You should be happy for me because I'm having the best day since like, Jesus invented the calendar. Jesus didn't invent the calendar. Whatever. We talk about Jennifer and Needy's friendship. Uh, (laughs) And... I I mean I felt there there's something there about like care in the aftermath mm-hmm. of trauma, mm-hmm. but then it's like, like like does needy turn away from her like is, or is it am I reading that wrong? I mean yeah so I feel like that moment that moment in the film where it's like Jennifer is sitting in the van. And they like meet eyes, like like needy is like, come, like, well, let's go, let's go get some like fries, like let's go to get some disco like she's like she's like trying to lure her away. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, 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 like I'm gonna do this. Oh, let's just get in their van. And like then she's sitting there and there's this moment where their eyes meet and then the door, the van door slams shut. Mm-hmm. And I feel which is like such a good moment because I do feel like it is this moment of like rupture between them. Yeah. And it's like I think for, on like just a friendship level, I mean it's like a thing that a lot of people experience, which is like when you're an adolescent, I don't know if this happened to you, it's definitely happened to me, where, like, an adolescent friend, like, something happened that, like, created a rift between you, and, like, you were just ultimately becoming different people, and mm-hmm. there was just no way to, like, repair that, like, you were mm-hmm. just sort of, like, spiraling off in different directions, so I feel like on that, and yeah, and I feel like Needy is, like, angry at Jennifer, like, yeah. a lot of, like, anger, um, and obviously, like, you know, their dynamic, I mean, the fact that her name is Needy, I mean, her name's, like, Anita, I think, but, like, yeah. Needy, as a name is so specific, right? <laughs> right? And like you have this like beautiful, sexy, like very like femme, very just like put together, like what young woman. Mm-hmm. And then you have me who's like, I mean, obviously she's beautiful because she's amazing. She's gorgeous, but like she she's like Hollywood dorky in that she has yeah, Hollywood dorky. Like, right, yeah. She's actually like stunning, but like, you know, that's but like in the context of the film, she's like sort of plain, um, but also she's like kind of found her own way like she has this boyfriend that she like like yeah. she sort of has figured out her own sort of thing but like there's definitely this tension between them that it comes from them also being like radically different people yeah and i feel like that moment <clears throat> and like they have a lot of care and love for each other excuse me yeah <laughs> they have a lot of care and love for each other and so like that does sort of supersede some of that but ultimately like it isn't enough right because it's like and then it's like other thing has happened um I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, I feel yeah. like there is a lot of, like, they're sort of pushing away or they're, like, spiraling away from each other throughout the film, which I think also ultimately makes sort of her grief, Needy's grief, and, like, ultimate sort of avenging of Jennifer, like, really poignant, because mm. it's, like, 
even though they were moving in these different ways like she still loved her and like yeah is like yeah doing and like has to make it right in some in some way um yeah it's the thing where she says you know sandbox love never dies or something mm-hmm. along those lines and it and it's like even the rupture that you you talk about like doesn't diminish the love that's there it's just the recognition that they are two people that yeah. have wildly different interests or like personalities and that maybe the the friendship can't sustain itself in the same ways that it always had and like this is and it's traumatic for both of them to to recognize yeah. that but the love never fades the like the yeah. lo- that thing that holds the you know the care for her never diminishes but it's it's just like here's a very violent eruption of mm-hmm. a breaking of this friendship in yeah. the ways that they've known it i feel like culturally we don't talk about like friend breakups enough mm. like i feel like it's just it's just a common thing that happens and like we're more interested in like romantic breakups yeah um, but obviously like a friend like moving apart from a friend or like rupturing violently from a friend a friendship that's important to you is like also really can be really traumatic and really mm-hmm. startling and also i think it's like a part of life and like there are moments in your life where you will like move away from people and like i think that there's something really nice about seeing that represented on the screen um I and mean, there is like a romantic element to it but like they're ultimately not together in a meaningful way like it isn't really about a, like, a, like a romantic relationship it's about like a friendship that is also mm-hmm. sort of sexual and just like yeah like he's like can't sustain itself um through like ultimately like male patriarchal violence yeah you know like it's just like a thing that just doesn't it, it, it doesn't hold um which i just think is like again like super interesting like just weird and like i'm like where else i'm like i'm trying to think like other films about that that i can imagine like i can't I mean, i'm sure there are some but i can't think of any like it's just such a specific dynamic that i just i feel like it's so rarely the idea that this relationship shown. is like disrupted and then broken by male patriarchal violence mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. i know i can't think of a, yeah. a film in which like that sort of is imposed on and, and dealt with in that way. Like, no. Yeah. And there's also like an element of like competition, you know, that it feels like muddled also by like it's competition between them, but it's also, again, this like question of like Jennifer wants what Needy has and like whatever Jennifer mm. Needy's like, I like him. He's nice. Or like, I have this boyfriend that I really love, like Jennifer. It's like you know, in her like state of idness, like where she's like this mm-hmm. pure instinct sort of monster, like can't help but like destroy. Like I mean, it's so tangled and like complicated, and like also resists like easy metaphors. Like yeah. it's not exactly one thing or another. Like it's just this like very complicated sort of net that feels like really psychologically real. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Carmen, what's one lasting image that sticks with you from Jennifer's body? Oh my God, there are so many, but I actually also, sorry, I don't mean to like be like plugging all my shit I've been writing, but like I also just wrote this essay also for like a separate thing about the refrigerator in horror Mm. um, and the scene where Jennifer is like in front of the fridge, like feeding the the chick, like she's like ripping into that like Mm rotisserie chicken and then she like vomits like black goo sort of everywhere yeah. and like the needy has to like yeah. the black goo and she's like crying that's like an image that really stuck with me also like i said the van door sh- the van door shutting between mm-hmm. them which feels so like specific um 
And there are a million. They're all just so they're all just so good. But yeah. That to the van door or like the fridge, the moment in the fridge. And also that whole scene in in Needy's house where then like Jennifer like it's like, Are you scared? Like it's just this mm-hmm. and it's like this like erotic sick sort of moment is also sick really good. Sorry, that's like five five yeah. answers. But <laughs> oh, good. What a moment. I don't know. <laughs> oh good. Oh good. Carmen, thank you so much for joining me. Oh my god, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Open Forum, a podcast from LitHub Radio, produced by Justin Alvarez and hosted by me, Michael Dental Smith. Feel free to like, comment, and subscribe to Open Forum wherever you get your podcasts, and/or sign up for the LitHub newsletter to stay up to date on our latest episodes. Next week, the parallel realities born of life's seemingly mundane what ifs.